Go with me please to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. It says, God is able to make all grace abound. Everybody say abound. To make all grace abound toward you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound. There's that word again. And actually, if you back up to the 8th chapter and read these two chapters together, this word abound in some form is found several times. And it's twice in this verse, isn't it? That you may abound to every good work. Read that out loud with me. Always. Always. Having all sufficiency. In all things. May abound. To every good work. I don't know of any better definition for prosperity than that right there. Prospering is not a dollar amount. It's not X number of things. But it's always having all sufficiency in all things and abounding to every good work. Can you say amen? Amen. Is this the will of God for you, for me? Well, how does this compare with coming short and not having enough? Coming up short, coming up shy of what you need, what you're looking for. No, God's will is abundance for everyone all the time. Said out loud, God's will will is abundance abundance for everyone, everyone. all the time. time. Now this is not believed by everybody, but uh, let's examine the scriptures. Go to John, the 10th chapter, gospel account of John. Jesus is speaking here in John 10, and he's talking about being the good shepherd. We just quoted in the offering from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What's the next phrase? I shall not want. want. How does that work if you're full of want? It's a bad reflection on your shepherd. The condition of the sheep is a direct reflection on the shepherd. Isn't it? Well, is the Lord a good shepherd or a bad shepherd? Great shepherd or a lousy shepherd? You sure? (laughs) What if you grew up over in the Middle East, Africa, somewhere, other places where, there are places in Europe uh, where sheep are still shepherded like they were centuries ago? And you grew up in a little small village and you, you heard all your life about this amazing shepherd, this super shepherd, how great they were. And one day you heard that they're coming through your village, this shepherd that you've heard so much about, such an amazing, great, good shepherd. And so you come out to the, uh, 
the trail there and, and you see the shepherd coming and you see his flock behind him. And as he gets closer, you go, well, that must be him. Look at, I mean, he's got this noble features and he's got this ornamented staff and this beautiful robe and, and boy, he carries himself so, so powerfully and nobly. This has got to be the one I've heard about. Got to be him. And he looks great. And, and as he comes by, you're enamored with him. And, and then you look at his sheep and they're pitiful. They're scraggly and they're emaciated and their little ribs are sticking out and and some of them trailing along in the back looks like maybe their leg got broke and you can tell it looks like it hadn't been treated in weeks or months and they're dragging it along and his flock is in terrible condition. What would you say? What would you think? <laughs> you say, I don't care what they say. I don't care what he looks like. He's not a good shepherd. Look at his flock. Well, who's our shepherd? Jesus, the master. Who's his flock? That's us. You want to know what kind of shepherd he is? Look at us. Look at us. (laughs) Our condition. What kind of shape we're in. Whether our needs are met or no. Whether we're well fed, well cared for, healed, restored, protected. All of this is a direct reflection on him. Isn't it? (laughs) Quiet across the group. (laughs) Well, it can't be both ways, can it? (laughs) Is it true or not that the condition of the flock is a direct reflection on the shepherd? What kind of shepherd do we have? I want to go through this one more time real slow. What kind? What kind? He is the good shepherd. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. He's the good shepherd. Verse 14 of John 10. John 10, 14. He said, I am the good shepherd. You believe it? He is a good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the best. How could you tell? Look at the flock. See, it's no wonder why the enemy has fought healing like he's fought it. It's no wonder the devil has fought teachings about abundance like he has. It's no wonder. Why? It's no wonder that the enemy has tried to, and been all too successful, influencing people that preach in churches, telling people that sometimes it's the good shepherd's will for you to stay sick. Sometimes it's the good shepherd's will for you to not get your needs met. Sometimes it is. This is believed all over the world. And then people would tell non-believers that God sent a tornado and tore up a town. And and, and God took their babies and took their spouses with cancer and AIDS and every other kind of thing. Then they'll say, don't you want to come join the church? Come join the flock. And their initial response is, no, thank you. They've already got a Lord that destroys them. Oh, but friend, when others, others' children are sick half the winter and yours didn't even miss a day of school. 
when others are, are losing everything they got, losing their businesses because of the problems in the world and the economy, and not only were all your needs met, but you opened another branch. And thing after thing happens, eventually people will say, what is the deal with you? How do you do it? How do you do it? And you say, hey, I got a good shepherd. I got a good shepherd. He takes care of me. And it's a good reflection. It proves and shows he's a good shepherd. And then when you get through telling all that, you say, and we're still taking applications for the flock. People want a shepherd like that. Somebody that will take care of them and help them and feed them and heal their babies and guide them through life. Don't you know everybody's looking for that? Certainly they are. Well, back up to the, uh, the 10th verse of John 10. It says, the thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus is talking. Who's he talking about? Is there a thief? Is he talking about the Father? Is he talking about God? Certainly not. He's not talking about himself. He refers to himself in the next part of the verse there. Who is this thief? Is there a thief? One thing that chafes me some is people blaming God for all the stealing and killing and destroying that's going on in the earth. It's impugning my father's good name. And it's just happening right and left. It's happening in churches. It's obvious that it was killing and stealing and destroying, but then they turn around and say that God did it in his sovereignty and in his mysterious ways. God did it. God stole from them. God killed them. God destroyed them. That's contrary to what Jesus said. There's a thief. I said there's a thief. It's not Jesus. It's not God the Father. There's a thief. It's the devil. It's the destroyer. Revelation talks that his name is Abaddon and Apollyon. Both of those mean destroyer. He's the adversary. You and I have an enemy. The whole world has an enemy. He's the destroyer. He's the thief. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. If you look up the definitions on these words. I just put the definitions together and I'll read them to you. If you look up each word. This is what it turns out to be. The stealer absolutely does not come. Except in order to steal. <laughs> and to slay. And to completely ruin. And destroy. I'm just reading the definitions. Of these words. The stealer. That's what that word means. Well a thief is a stealer. The stealer. Absolutely does not come. The devil never comes to bless you. <laughs> never comes to do anything good for you. If he comes. What's he coming to do? He's coming to steal something from you. He's coming to slay something, to kill something, and he's coming to ruin something. 
That phrase means utterly ruined. Completely destroyed. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he wants to do. So if something was stolen from you, how many believe it's wrong to blame God? He's not the thief. If years were stolen from you, if a family member was cut off young, a child, an opportunity, money, something was stolen from you, how many think it's wrong for people to think God did it? Is he the thief? He's not the thief. Who did it? The devil. The devil. The destroyer. The thief. The killer. But Jesus said, I am come. Why did you come, Lord? Why did you come, good shepherd? I mean, there's scriptures springing to my mind. He said, the Son of Man did not come to condemn. He didn't come to kill us. He didn't come to judge us. He didn't come to destroy us. He didn't come to hurt us. We already had all that. If he'd have wanted us destroyed, all he'd had to do is nothing. Just not come. Just leave us in the hands of our sin and destruction. He came that we might have life. Zoe. God life. Life as God has it. And that they might have it more abundantly. Now this This is an interesting word here. This word we read in 2 Corinthians 9, abound, abound, is from the same word. There's about seven words in the New Testament Greek that are all from the same root. Parisos, different forms of that word. And let me give you the definition. Do you want to know the definition? Because it's all through the New Testament. It's a theme. And of course, if Jesus said, this is why I came, that you might have life parisos, what does that mean? It means, literally, surplusage. It's also translated superabundant because abundance not enough to describe the word. Abundance doesn't adequately describe these Greek words. That's why even in some modern translations, it'll say super abundant. Super abundant. I am come that you might have life and have it in super abundance. What is super abundant life? What does that mean? Let's go over this some more. Like I said, there's seven different forms of this same word. And they all basically mean the same thing. It's just a different form of the same word. It means beyond. It means superabundant in quantity, superior in quality, and by implication, excessive. That's Dr. Strong's definition of one of them. Superabundant in quantity, superior in quality, excessive, <laughs> excessive, excessive, 
Excessive. Glory to God. (laughs) It's not just enough. It's enough and more. It's surplus. Surplus edge. I'm quoting definitions. Uh, Who's in the business of you not having enough of you coming up short? The stealer. Right? The stealer, if you go to get something or you were looking for something and it's not there or now you've lost something that you had and now you don't have enough, who did that to you? Who was that? Who was that? Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life surplusage, life superabundant, huh? Life. So put up the amplifier to that. I think the amplifier does a good job of expressing those words. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. He has never blessed anybody. <laughs> He never comes to do you good. Never. Every time he comes, he's trying to steal something from you. He's trying to kill something. He's trying to destroy something and ruin something. Why don't we believe what Jesus said? If it got stolen from us, who did it? Help me out. Help me out. The thief. The devil. If it got destroyed, who did it? Who who should, if we're going to be upset with somebody, who should we be upset with? The devil. And if we gave him place, us. But not our God. Not our good Father. Not Jesus who came to give us super abundant life. Now I know a lot of theologians don't like it this simple. I mean if you listen to them, they'll explain to you how God and the devil work together. You know, that, you know, how God wants to do some bad things and takes us, he uses the devil and they got some kind of a situation. Sometimes the devil will do you good, you know, and sometimes God will be, it's very confusing. I don't recommend you read any of it. (laughs) Because there's no scripture for it. It's not true. It's not true. The truth is very, very simple. A three-year-old could understand it perfectly. The devil is a bad devil. And he does bad things. All the time. God is a good God. And he does good things. All the time. All the time. Why did Jesus come? Tell me, tell me, tell me. So we could have life. In superabundance. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's a good representation of the words there. In abundance. And so he didn't stop with abundance because... It's not adequate to describe the word. You have to put some kind of super in there. I'm quoting Dr. Strong and Dr. Vines and Thayer's and others that have studied the languages all their lives. 
It's in abundance, but then you got to say, to the full until it overflows. You're not describing it until you understand it's surplus. Surplus. The life that Jesus came to give us is the life of surplus. You believe it or not? I know a lot of folks don't, but that's part of my job to preach on it till somebody does. Right? So here we go. <laughs> go with me to uh, John, the sixth chapter. John chapter 6, I want you to see how these words, same word translated abound uh, there in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Same word translated abundant there in John 10, 10 is found in this verse. Same word, John 6 and 13. John 6, 13, there was the multiplying of the loaves and fishes, the little boy's lunch. And uh, after they had eaten, it said, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above. See that phrase, over and above? That's the same word. Abundant. Over and above unto them that had eaten. Somebody say, over and above. Say it again, over and above. above. One more time. That's surplusage. That's abundance. Plenty. Abundance is plenty. But this is more than that. This is more than plenty. This is plenty plus. Isn't it? Everybody got all they wanted to eat. Right? Thousands of men and women and children ate fish and bread till their bellies were full. And then, and then, and then they had surplusage. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve baskets full. Over and above what it took to fill everybody up, plenty, plus. Somebody say plenty, plus. plus. Say it out loud. Plenty, Plenty. plus. Plus. Enough, Enough. and then some. some. Over and above. above. This is the life that Jesus came to give us. The over and above life. The enough and then some. (laughs) That's the life he came to give us. Do you believe it, saints? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Luke 15, we'll see another usage of it here in the gospel accounts. Luke 15 is the story of what we call the, the prodigal son who's, he's out there at the pig trough tempted to get down and eat with the pigs and the Bible said he came to himself (laughs) you know it's sad but a lot of folk have to get really low before they come to their senses but he did and this was what he thought as he was staring at those nasty corn cobs and whatever in the pig trough Luke 15 17 
When he came to himself, he said, how many uh, hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? Same word. And I perish with hunger. What's he saying? He said, man, all the hired hands at daddy's, they not only have plenty to eat. They got plenty to eat and to spare. Surplusage. They got plenty to eat and more. What am I doing out here at the pig trough? (laughs) Everybody that works for daddy. They got plenty to eat and extra. Somebody say extra. Extra. Extra, More besides. Over and above. Surplusage. Abundance. And then some. Super abundance. (laughs) If you don't have enough, something got stolen from you. Something got taken from you. If it was messed up, you didn't have it. If it was ruined, if it was destroyed, if it was killed, if there was some kind of loss, who did it? Who did it, saints? Who did it? The thief, the stealer, the devil, the destroyer, not your God, not your father, not your master. What did he come to give you? He came and he paid a great price to obtain for you and I a redemption. That would forgive us and cleanse us and qualify us for a life of superabundance. Somebody say super abundance. Super abundance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Second Corinthians, the eighth chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, put this up in the NAS, the New American Standard, 2 Corinthians 8, 1. He says, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Keep going, we're going to read several verses here. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. We need to stop on this phrase right here. See, folks think these two things are completely incompatible, that you can't have both of these, and yet they did. They had deep poverty and overflowing wealth of liberality at the same time. There is some misconception in the so-called word and faith circles. There's been a lot of talk about prosperity, and there needed to be, because there's been such a lack of it. There are a lot of places it's not taught on at all. But then in some camps, in some places, the emphasis is, is a whole lot just on getting more money and getting more stuff and getting more money and getting more stuff. And the implication is, if you don't have a lot, then you're really coming short. That you're, uh, you're lacking in faith and vision, and, and, and there's condemnation. This is not right. 
This concept is not right. This idea is not right. Our main objective in life is not to see how much stuff we can get. How much money we can amass. How much stuff we can accumulate. That is wrong. And yet at the same time, we need provision. And then the Lord has called us to do things. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We need provision for all this. And God's a God of abundance. His will is abundant provision. So the word must be rightly divided in this area. One thing you can see, if there's confusion and condemnation, something's wrong. God's not in confusion. And he's not condemning us. And he's not interested. In fact, he teaches us in 1 Corinthians not to shame those who don't have. That's wrong. And any of us, you compare us to some other folks, and we got nothing compared to them. And the Bible also tells you don't compare. (laughs) Here's a group of people, saints at the church at Corinth, who Paul says, the Spirit of God actually says through Paul, that they abounded in a wealth of liberality. And yet, their financial condition at the time was deep poverty. How can that be? Because it's not that they didn't have anything to give. They just didn't have much. And God doesn't look at what you don't have. This same passage says it's accepted A man is accepted according to what you do have. And God doesn't even look at amounts. He looks at the heart. And he looks at the percentage. Percentage? Yeah, absolutely. Remember the poor widow woman's offering? Gave the two mites. Was probably less than a penny or two. And yet Jesus said she outgave everybody there that day. So she had poverty. But she was super abounding in her giving. And how many think if you're doing that, something's going to happen to your situation too? Right? Certainly. But we must not get caught up in emphasizing money and things to the point to where we think too much about that. Covetousness, the Bible said, is idolatry. Right? Jesus warns us and cautions us in Luke, what is it, 17 or so? He said, take heed and beware of covetousness because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. So how are we to understand these things? How many believe we need some mind renewal? We need some some understanding and some growth. You believing with me? We prayed a few minutes ago. And I'm not just talking about right now, but as long as the Lord would have us to be on this. To where we come to a good understanding. And a full understanding. And we get free. Free from condemnation. Free from embarrassment. And shame of any kind. Free from confusion. Free. 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 And begin to abound 
(laughs) in the ways he's talking about. In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. Can you have abundance of joy in deep poverty? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And can you overflow in liberality, in deep poverty? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now, see, a lot of people give nothing. I'm not just talking about offerings. I'm talking about to each other, being led as the Lord would use you to minister to your neighbor, to your family, to your friend, your co-worker, people you go to school with, whatever the case might be. There's a lot of folks who do absolutely nothing in these areas because they don't have much. And they think because I don't have much, nobody would expect me to do anything. (laughs) The only reason for not giving anything is if you had nothing. If you got something, you can do something. And it's accepted according to what you have. You know, it would have been a perfect place if God is and Jesus is the way a lot of people try to portray him to be. When this poor widow came and gave every cent she had, which amounted to a few cents with inflation, (laughs) a lot of theologians would have had Jesus doing this going, no, no, dear, no. You do not need to give. These rich people in here need to give you something. He didn't say it. He didn't do it. He'd say, no, no, dear, no, no. Do not put your two pennies in here. Here, let me give you something. He didn't do it. They received her offering. Her money stayed in there. And he used it as an example to everybody there. Didn't he? And told the rich guys that this little lady outgave every one of them there today. (laughs) Showed them up strong. (laughs) Didn't he? Jesus called their attention to it. He talked about it. No, just because you don't have much doesn't mean you can't be liberal and generous. If you got two popsicles and that's all you got... And you give one of them to somebody. You're generous. You're being generous. If all you got is $5. And you give two to somebody else. Or you give three. Or you give the whole five. You're a liberal soul man. You're generous. You can abound. When you don't have much. You can abound. In liberality. You can be wealthy. In liberality, even when you don't have much at all. Read it. In their abundance of joy. And they weren't crying because they didn't have much. They weren't saying, feel sorry for me. (laughs) Of course, if you're in faith and you got seed in the ground, that would explain some of the joy, wouldn't it? It overflowed. In the wealth of their liberality. Keep reading. I testify that according to their ability. And beyond their ability. They gave of their own accord. Begging us with much urging. For the favor of participation. In the support of the saints. Instead of 
Paul or the other preachers pleading with them to give. They were pleading with Paul, let us get in on this. We actually experienced this one time. Phyllis and I were up in a meeting in Canada. And uh, the word of knowledge came, actually the Lord gave it to Phyllis, about a lady there that had a bill for a certain amount that was past due and she was upset about it and needed the money. I mean the exact amount of the bill. We had no idea who it was or how this was going. And so we just said, everybody close your eyes. If that's you, and the Lord showed her that she had the bill with her there in her purse. And the amount of it. And so we said, if that's you, raise your hand. Everybody's eyes were closed. One lady raises her hand. We said, okay, put it back down. Okay, open your eyes. The Lord dealt with us to sow, what was it, a hundred or two on it? And somebody said, I want to sow a hundred. And somebody said, I want to sow a hundred. And I mean, just like that, the bill was taken care of. Plus was a hundred or two. So I said, well, praise God. That's great. I said, uh, ushers, we'll show you who it was. And after the service, you come up. Nobody else will know. And you'll come up and they'll, they'll get this to you. And I went back to try to preach. And I just, it was hard to go on. I tried to preach, and finally I just stopped, and I said, what? And somebody at the back said, we wanted to get in on that, too. I said, is that right? Other folks said, yeah, me, too. I said, well, great. Give. And so that lady wound up with, I don't know, $1,000 more than the bill was. And they said that was her first time to ever be there. They said she came back. You know, what if she hadn't gone to church that night? But this very thing we're talking about here, they were pleading with me, let us get in on that. That's how it's supposed to be. Isn't it? Instead of pastors and preachers begging folks, please give, please can you give more, please, please. That's not supposed to be happening. It's supposed to be the other way around that folks are going, hey, hey, let me get in on that too. No, wait, don't stop now. Offering's not over, is it? No, no. Keep it going. I got to get in on this too. (laughs) That's Bible, isn't it? Keep reading. They begged us with much urging for the favor of participating in the support of the saints. How many believe it is a privilege and an honor and a favor for God to allow you to be a part of these things? And that you got something you can give. Even if it's not a big amount, don't despise it. Be glad you got something. Instead of nothing, be glad you got something. And this is how it gets bigger. Keep going. Not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Keep going. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Keep going. We're reading several scriptures here. Just as you what? Abound, there's that word in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, in all earnestness, in the love we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work, this giving, this offering as well. Abound in this, he said. I'm not speaking this as a command. I'm not commanding you to do it. But approving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Keep going. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Did Jesus abound toward us? Did he give us all we need and then some? Do you believe it, saints? Absolutely. Keep going. He said, this is to your advantage. Who were the first to begin a year ago. Not only do it, but the desire. He said, you've been talking about it for a year. Now go ahead and do it. Finish the doing of it. That just as there was the readiness to desire, so there may be a completion of it by your ability. Keep going. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Now, God looks at the heart. Is this true? Man looks on the outward appearance. But God doesn't see as man sees. He doesn't judge after the outward external appearance. He sees in the heart. And the thing that makes everything we do with him acceptable or unacceptable is our heart. Willing or unwilling. If you read the rest of this, it goes on to talk about God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. That's not somebody that's being coerced. That's being pushed. That's being pulled on or condemned or, or tried to make to feel guilty. You got so much. You ought to be shame, ashamed of having so much when they don't have anything. You owe it to them. No, no, no. That's not an acceptable gift. Guilt giving is not okay with God. If you want his, I mean a man or a woman might receive it, but if you want God to receive it, it has to be with a willing, willing, glad, prompt to do it, want to do it, happy to do it, heart, heart. Do you see, let's read that verse again. If the readiness, you're ready to do it, willing to do it, it's acceptable according to what a person has. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have all the money. You don't have to know all the connections or ability. Just are you willing and ready to do something that the Lord would direct you to do? And are you ready to do something right now? Not according to what you might have one day in the sweet by and by. Ready to do something right now with the $2 in your hand. Or the 2000 or $2 million, whatever it is. But you're ready to do something right now. That's what he's telling them. It's acceptable. According to what a person has. Not according to what he does not have. Keep going. For this is not for the ease of others. And for your affliction. But by way of equality. At this present time. You're what? You're what? You're what? That's a form of the same word. It's actually superabundance. Surplusage. That your surplusage being a supply for their need, so that their abundance or surplusage may be a supply for your need, that there may be an equality. Now, let me ask you a question. What if you never have surplusage? How are you going to be a part of this verse? It is the will of God that there are times. When others are believing him for things and you have surplusage. And he taps you on the shoulder and he deals with you so that. 
And he doesn't have to twist your arm. He's not going to. He's not going to make you. If he deals with you to do it and you don't do it, then eventually he'll deal with you as long as he can because he wants you to get the reward and, and get the harvest. But eventually, if it gets to the point where their need's not going to be met because you're disobeying, he will use somebody else. And you'll miss a blessing and they'll get your blessing, whether they know it or not. This happens too often. But it has to be that you're ready and willing. And then he says on another occasion, you're believing for something. You're needing something. They got surplus. They got surplusage. And he deals with them to so do you. Not you came and told them you had a need and could they do something about it. He dealt with them. He's dealing with us. And he choreographs this all through the body of Christ. It's amazing how he does it. But what if you never have surplus? You can't be used like this. It starts with a willing heart. Said out loud, it begins. The life of superabundance. The superabundant life. Jesus came to give me begins with a willing heart. That's where it starts. Willing what? Willing heart. Willing to do today what you can with what you've got. This is not just about offering time at church. Don't get scared. I'm not about to receive another offering. But this is not just about church time. This is the way you live. At home, on the job, everywhere. When he deals with you to do something, you are willing to do it. You're ready to do it. And you will do it. You'll do it. (laughs) It's a learning process. It is. You got to renew your mind. And your faith has to grow. I remember when Phyllis and I were I was going to Rama Bible Training Center, and she was uh, working a job at a doctor's office. I had one little sport coat and two pair of dress pants, and of course, so you mix and match. <laughs> and I had one pair of dress shoes, and of course, in a little while, they got to looking bad and scuffed up, and I did what I could with them, but they got to the place, so I'm learning about faith. And so I, I believed God for some shoes. And I did what I needed to do. We claimed money for a pair of new shoes. And the weeks went by and shoes got worse. But here came in the mail, $50. And somebody said, you know, I, just, I didn't know what you needed this for, but whatever you need it for. Oh, man, I was elated. And I went to school that morning. And uh, down a few miles from where the school was, there was a mall. There was a place where you could get shoes. And, and so after, uh, we had uh, classes, and then we had prayer school, and we had healing school. Uh, so after, at the end of the day, I was going to go get some new shoes that day. So, man, I'm happy all day long. And, and during prayer time, man, I prayed good. I had the victory, brother. I mean, I, I believed God for shoes, and I got shoe money, and I'm going to get my new shoes. 
right after the service today. And uh, I'm in the floor praying. I'm flat out on my face. There, It was a bunch of us in the prayer school, and we actually prayed we, for a while. And so I'm praying, and it came up in my heart to my mind. There was a young man who was speaking in just a few minutes in the healing school. He'd been speaking there that week. And uh, uh, he came to me, and, and, and these words, I don't mean I heard a voice, but they came up inside me. The Lord said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Brown shoes. And uh, I thought, well, glory to God. I know you met my needs, and you will meet his the same way. Lord, what you want me to do? You want me to hook up with him in faith? You want me to encourage him after the service? You want me to testify? Tell him how you got my shoes to me and encourage him. What you laughing about? Well, I went on. I'm praying some more. It came up to me again. Came up to me again. He's believing me. This is young minister that's preaching there in healing school. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Very specific. Brown. I thought, well, praise God. Uh, <laughs> Lord, I know you're able to get him his brown shoes just like you got me my shoe money today. And, and uh, I believe with him. I'll join my faith with him. I'm agreeing with him for his brown shoes. A few minutes later, it came up to me. Sow him your shoe money and you'll not lack for good shoes. Sow him my shoe money. <laughs> I'm young, young in these things. This is decades ago. and uh, You know my initial response? I rebuked the devil. <laughs> I rebuked the devil. I said, the devil is trying to rob, steal my shoe money. I mean, I've believed God. And the Lord's got this money to me. And now the devil's trying to confuse me. And steal my shoe money. Get behind me. I did. It came up to me again. He's believing me. For a pair of brown shoes. Sow him your shoe money. Believe me. You'll not lack want for good shoes. Let's see Let's just stop right here. I seeing some things, you know, after the fact and years after that I didn't see then. This one pair of shoes is not all I need. I didn't know it, but in just a few days, they're going to ask me to help at the healing school. And I'm going to be up in front of people. And I'm going to begin to travel and do some other things. I needed several pairs. Of good shoes. And I needed several good suits. And things like that. I didn't know that then. Why would the Lord tell you something like this? Is he trying to take anything away? He's not the thief. Is he? Why? Because this 50 bucks. Is not going to get me where I need to be. I didn't see it. I didn't know it. But he knows it. But he's already got a plan. He's already got everything in line motion for me. If I'll just obey him, he's already got it planned to get me everything I need and want to do what he's calling me to do. But first, he's got to get me 
to be willing. You have to turn loose that 50 bucks. Now I know it may sound trivial to you. But this is not trivial. This is a big, big deal. If you won't obey him with $50. You don't qualify for a $5 million. He'd be foolish. To put it in your hands for his work. Because whatever you do with 50. Is what you'll do with $5 million. People don't like to believe that. They think, well, no, no. Now, now if I had a lot, I no, no, according to Jesus, you'd do exactly with the big thing what you do with the little. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. He that is unfaithful in that which is least is unfaithful in the greater amount. The much Jesus said it. I believe it. Do you believe it? So don't kid yourself. Don't let somebody else know you that if I had a lot of money, I'd do differently. No, you'd do exactly. What you're doing with your little amount right now. That's what you do. Came up to me again. <laughs> the Lord's patient, isn't he? Isn't he kind and long-suffering? Of course, he knows where we are. He knows I was so young and so green. He said, uh, I don't mean I'm not hearing a voice now, but inside me. Coming up to my mind real strong. So him, your shoe money. And believe me, and I'll take care of you, and you'll not lack for good shoes. I'll be honest with you, I didn't get it in five minutes. <laughs> I wrestled with it. <laughs> and, and then here comes the service, and he got up and spoke. And you know what I thought? His shoes look pretty good to me. <laughs> it's a lot better shoes than what I got. Everybody said out loud. That has, that has nothing, nothing to do with it. Now you walk by sight, you're going to miss it. You walk and judge according to appearances. You'll wind up giving to people. I don't. Maybe you find somebody that's got the worst looking stuff on. That doesn't mean they're believing God. Did you hear me? And it doesn't mean they're going to do the right thing even if you gave it to them. Don't be moved by what you see or don't see. Anyway, the whole, the whole message, I couldn't help looking down once in a while and go, man, the shoes look good to me. And I know he had a different pair on the other day too. But then I'd tell myself, that's beside the point. You're either going to do what the Lord told you to do or you're not. So through the course of the message, this is now two or three hours after that prayer time, I, I got it settled in me. Not only did I get it settled in me, but I thought, you know, I'm going to be happy about it. I'm going to be willing. This is the biggest deal, saints. This is the biggest hindrance from God being able to meet our needs in surplus is us having willing. Somebody say willing. Willing, willing hearts. Glad to do it. Happy to. God loves. Cheerful. Prompt to do it. Glad to do it. Want to do it. And it's not according to what you might have some big thing in the future. It's what you have right now, right here, where you are, willing. After the service, I came up and I said, uh, could I speak to you for just a moment? I didn't know him. He didn't know me. He said, sure. I said, uh, tell me if this is okay or not. I said, but are you believing God for some brown shoes? He said, say what? I thought, "Uh uh-oh. 
You know, he's going to report me to the dean. <laughs> they got another flaky one here. I said, I just want to know, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He said, wait, wait just a minute. He called his wife. He called her. And he said, come here, come here. She came there. He said, tell her what you told me. I thought, what is going on here? I just wanted to know, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? She threw her hands up in the air, started praising God. They said, brother, it wasn't two hours ago. We joined hands back there in the speaker's room and asked God and believed God for a pair of brown dress shoes. He needs a pair of brown dress shoes. I said, well, glory to God. I said, uh, here's some money towards them. And I gave them my $50 and they prayed over me. And, and I left and I was walking across the parking lot, shoeless, moneyless. But I felt like I was floating about that high off the ground. Why? I had heard from God. Brown shoes, brother. I had heard from God and it was right and I was a part of the Lord using me as a vessel to meet somebody's needs that they're believing for. And I didn't have shoes that week or the next and I guess it was a few weeks or month or so, whatever. But you know, over the course of the next five and ten years, this happened to me not once, not twice, I don't know how many times. I had people just come up to me that I didn't know and give me their credit card and say, while you're in town, go to such and such shop and get you a pair of new shoes. Now, don't get the cheap ones. Get those exotic skins. Get the alligator. Get the ostrich or whatever it is and just put it on this car. I don't mean what. What, half a dozen times next five years or so? And I just get shoes. I still, to this day, shoes just come in the mail. Now, I've sewn other shoes since then, but what did the Lord say to me? I'll take care of you. Didn't he say, and you won't want. See, he was endeavoring to set me up because I needed a lot more than this $50. I didn't know it yet, but he did. Can you see this, saints? What was the big obstacle to me having all the shoes I'd ever need? What was the big obstacle? My heart being willing to do what he would direct me to do. Let's finish reading this. Let's finish reading. Whew, thank you, Lord. Verse 15. He that gathered much did not have too much. He that gathered little had no lack at different times in our lives. I'm going to have received a harvest, and you're believing for something right then, and then later on you got surplus, and I'm believing. And when you do this all across the body of Christ, somebody's got surplus somewhere, Right? And if all of us are obeying God, that's how it happened in the book of Acts where it got to the point where it said there was not any of them that lacked. Nobody in the church of thousands lacked anything. All their needs were met. Is this the will of God, saints? It is. But everybody has to obey God and believe God and be willing. Keep going. But thanks be to God who put the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. Keep going. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being very earnest, he's gone to you of his own accord. And he talks about distribution of this uh, abundant, bountiful gift. And if you read these verses, chapter 8 and chapter 9, you'll see the emphasis is this abounding. 
abounding, which is surplusage, excess. Can you say amen? amen? Go with me, please, to the book of Romans. We're going to talk about a number of things, I believe, as the Lord helps us in this series. We're believing to get free, like we said, from any confusion, from any condemnation, anything like that. And so we'll need to deal with several things. We've touched on them tonight, but didn't have time to deal. Believe with me for the future. But let's get grounded in this before we go any further. God's will is surplusage. True or not? God's will is enough and over and above. Right? All you need and some more. That's his will. That's his plan. Do you believe it, saints? Say it out loud. God's will is abundance and then some. Surplus. Surplus. And you get excited about surplus. Surplus. It's not a dollar amount. It's not a number of cars or number of houses. It's surplus. It's everything you need, all sufficiency in all things and abound. Somebody say abound. Again, that's having enough and then some for every good work. Romans 12, he says this. Verse 1. He said, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Does this sound like willing? Here I am, here's what I have, my body, my life, my time, my resources. It is available to you, Lord, to use as is acceptable, is also translated pleasingly. And it's just my reasonable service. What does that mean? After everything you've done for me, it's just reasonable that everything I am and have be available to you. Anywhere, anytime. Nobody's making me do it. I'm offering it to you. Is that your heart, saints? Keep reading. And be not conformed to this world. What does that mean? Uh, Hold your place and look in Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 and 1. Hold your place in Romans. 2 Timothy 3 and 1, he said, Know this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. 2 Timothy 3, 1. This is the world he's describing. Verse 2, for men shall be what? Lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, traitors, heady, high-minded. Notice again, lovers of what? Pleasures more than lovers of God. Now that's the world you don't want to be conformed to. The ungodly world does not live by the love of God. Shed abroad in one's heart, which makes you unselfish. The world, the ungodly world, loves their self and what pleases them and makes them happy, even at the expense of others. If it costs somebody else, that's fine, as long as I get what I want. Don't be conformed to that. 
Don't be that way. Go back to Romans now. Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to that. Basically selfishness. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. What is that good. And acceptable. And perfect. Will of God. What is the good. And acceptable. And perfect will of God. Now we, we just got through reading. He said there should be times where your surplus is available to minister to their want. And then other times when their surplus ministers to your need. What if you never have surplus? What if you're always lacking? You're always coming short. You never have surplus. Is that the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? It's not. Young's literal says it like this. Be not conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind for your proving. See, the result of our minds being renewed is that we can discern and distinguish what he now says. We know What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Why use these three words like this? Good, acceptable, perfect. Say it out loud. Good, acceptable, perfect. Kind of sounds like good, better, best, (laughs) part, more, Full, because you wind up with what? Perfect, which means complete. The complete will of God. Are people living in something other than the complete will of God? Oh, yeah. People of God, I'm talking about now, are living at varying levels of the will of God. Some in, some out. (laughs) Well, If it's the will of God, it's good. Anything bad is not going to be the will of God. So if you're in any degree of the will of God, that's good. The word acceptable is also translated pleasing. So if you get more in the will of God, this is going to please him. What would please him the most? Perfect, full will of God. Not having your needs met. Is not good. That's not good. That's not the will of God. Having any of your needs met. Is good. So to that degree. It's the will of God. Having all your needs met. That's pleasing. To God. There's something else. I said there's something else. There's a perfect will of God. That you not only have enough. You have You have abundance. You have surplus. He can use you to do something for somebody else. And it doesn't have to be an extra million dollars. It can be an extra dollar. But it's surplus. And it's not that you need a ton of money to operate in this. What you need is a willing heart. Now go with me to Philippians in closing I think. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Can you see the Lord helping us to get to a higher place? Can you see him helping us to get more into his will? I mean, being in any of his will is good. And having your needs met, that's great. That's pleasing to him. But it's not the end. It's not the top. What's the top? What's God's full, perfect will for every one of us? Why did Jesus come? I came that you might have life and have it super abundantly in surplusage. You got everything you need and you've got surplus. That enables you, now that text that we read, always having all sufficiency in all things, but that's not where it ends. Abounding to every good work. That's out beyond yourself. That's over and above your needs met. And you don't have to wait till you got some huge sum or amount. If it's $5 over, it's over. It's over. And the truth is, even people in deep poverty have something they can sow if they were willing to. They could sow part of theirs to somebody that's in as bad a shape as they are or worse. And it would be the key to getting into the good and then coming on up to the well-pleasing and then coming on up to the perfect will of God. That you got everything that you need and desire to do what he's called you to do. And have a full measure of life. And you got surplus. You got surplus. Surplus. And you're willing to let it flow wherever direction he tells you to. Whenever he tells you to. Can you say amen? amen. In Philippians. The fourth chapter. Anybody got any verses marked over there? I think we may emphasize a part you may not have emphasized too much of a very familiar verse here tonight. Philippians and 4, verse 10, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He said, I'm so happy to see that you remembered me. They sent him an offering. They sent him a gift by a brother. I don't know if it was money and clothes and food and stuff. I don't know. He calls it bountiful. He said, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. Faith people are not going to tell you they're hurting and pull on you. Because if you're really in faith, you're not looking to man. You're looking to God. I've had several people before, I, I'm not saying anything negative, I, I, maybe they just didn't understand it or know it, but they say, well, Brother Keith, the Bible says, uh, let your request be made known, and so we're letting you know that we need this. That's not what it says. <laughs> didn't say, let your request be made known to Brother Keith. Did it? <laughs> let your request be made known unto God. When you're in faith. You're looking to him 
And you're not looking to people. You're putting no pressure on people. None. You don't even need to tell them what you need. In most cases. Now somebody comes to you. And they say the Lord dealt with me. What's going on? Don't try to hide it. Check your heart. God could be answering your prayer. That's why they're asking you. But you don't just go around telling everybody. And ask and say you know check your heart. And see if God deals with you to do something for me. Um, he does not need your help in this regard. That gets in the way. Oh man, there's people that have gone to the altar and knelt down beside other folks. Supposed to have been praying. And said, oh God, talk to somebody. Somebody that will listen to you. Lord, you know I need $2,000 by the end of the month. You know I got to have it now. Deal with somebody. That's not faith. That's not right. No. No. That's being a con man. It's not right. What did he say? Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. My peace and my joy doesn't go up and down according to my bank account. My joy and my peace does not, it's not tied to my money level. It's unaffected by when the money's low or the money's high. I have learned how to live with the same level of peace and joy regardless of what's in the bank. Whatever state. Verse 12. I know both how to be abased. But I want you to notice the next part. What else does he know? There's that word. There's that word. Abound. What does it mean? To have all you need and more. Surplus. Over. I know how to be abased. Abased means not have it at the moment. But that doesn't mean I lose my peace. Doesn't mean I lose my joy. I know who's taking care of me all this time. I know that he will. So I'm unaffected by that. And also I know how to abound. In reading that, do we know how to abound? Folks would read that and just focus on the abased part. Yeah, I know how to be low. Do you know how to be high? <laughs> we're supposed to know how to abound. We're, yeah, we're supposed to know how to stay in faith and keep our joy and keep our peace, even if you don't see where it's coming from. But we also need to be experienced. This needs to be a part of our regular experience that we are abounding materially. We have everything we need and then some. We got surplus. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed to be full, to be hungry, and he says it again. To what? To abound and to suffer need. It's not supposed to be. That somebody is just always suffering need. 
Day after day, week after week, all they ever do is, well, boy, I know how to be a bass. I've been practicing being a bass for now and 40 years. I, boy, I'm, I'm well developed in being a bass. No, you're not supposed to just be a bass and scrape the bottom. You're supposed to know how to abound. But then, you know, if you live and walk by faith, Phyllis and I have seen this and experienced this personally and in the ministry. There will be times when you've got a bunch of excess in the accounts, and then there will be other times the Lord deals with you, so all that. Well, now that you know how much in there, you did have. This morning you did. This afternoon you don't. But when you're living by faith, you've been here before. You know how this works. You're not concerned. You got your joy. You got your peace. We got more seed in the ground than we ever had. What are we doing? We're preparing to abound. Somebody say abound. Abound. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Don't just read that with half the verse. No, it's not just I can get through in lean times through Christ who strengthens What else can you do? I can abound through Christ who strengthens me. I know how to do both. Somebody say, I can do both. Through Christ who strengthens That's what this literally, we've used that for a lot of things. But specifically, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is talking about material and financial things. I can do all things. And he goes on to say, verse 18. See if a word's standing out to you now. Verse 18. I have all and. So what is he doing right now that he knows how to do? He's abounding. What does that mean? There it is in the text. I have all. That's not the end of it. And I'm abounding. What do we know? Paul's doing good. He's got everything he needs. All the bills are paid. Everything. And he's got overage. He's got surplus. He's abounding. Because I received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. It's an odor of a sweet smell. It's a sacrifice. What? There's that word. Acceptable. Well-pleasing to God. We're seeing some will of God here, aren't we? Not an abject poverty. and, and la- We're seeing abundance. I got everything I need. And I'm abounding. This is pleasing God. This is acceptable and well-pleasing to him. Verse 19. And he said, I want you to know something. Partners in the church of Philippi. I want you to know the same God that's got me abounding today. He is going to supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can you see our text that we read? He said, today, saints, your surplus is causing me to abound. But I want you to know that there's going to be some surplus right down the road here that's going to cause you to abound. Just like God used you, he's going to use other people. But it's the same God. It's not the people he's used. It's the God that's the most important thing. And all your needs are going to be met. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, you will have all and abound. Just like me. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's reach out our hearts toward him. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you're not a bad God. You're not a mean God.
You're not the thief. You're not the killer. You're not the destroyer. You're a good, good God. Good, good God. Good, good God. Oh, I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful. Let's thank him for a few moments. Let's lift your voices. Lift your hands. Lord, we're so thankful that you're a good God. And your will is abundance. And then some. Surplus. Thank you, Lord. This excites us because we, we believe it. And, and so we prepare our hearts for it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now close your eyes. This is something that came up by the Spirit tonight. So uh, if, you're, if it is your heart, you want to say it to Him and before Him, say it out loud if you mean it. Father God, I see in your Word that an important part of this is me being willing where I am right now with what I have to hear you, to obey you. And by faith, I ask you to work in me to will and to do of all your good pleasure and reveal to me you're good and you're acceptable and your perfect will. And by faith I say, I choose to be willing, willing, ready to hear you, ready to obey you with where I am, with what I have right now. And I know. You'll cause me to abound in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.